0: red eye all one word for 15 percent off your stay at motel6.com that's a great deal and that's just something i've noticed brought to you by motel 6
1: now it's red eye radio gary mcnamara and eric harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio.
0: Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Tuesday. Gary, how are you? Well, I had a
2: productive weekend. Did you? Yeah. What'd you do? What'd you, do? you know, I uh, flew to see Dad, watched my great-nephew's... Uh, a uh, semifinal playoff game. All right, yeah. That uh, that they won. Read a book for recreation. I read an entire book just on the flight back. All right, two hundred fifty page book. So mm-hmm. that was that was uh, uh, really good. But I do have to just tell you one thing: the most emotional part of my weekend. Yeah. All right. And it came out of nowhere. I mean, it was like uh, thirty seconds before I was absolutely fine, uh, tearing up thirty seconds later. Here we are at my great nephew's basketball game. All right, my Mm. dad has gone to the last couple of games. It's tough for him to get up and do all these things at ninety seven, but he's been going. You know, since my great nephew's been in the playoffs, he's been going to the games. So we uh, we we get to the game. We find a place, you know, to put his his. uh, He's got a walker uh, uh, walker seat where he can walk, and he turns into a seat and Mm. find a nice place, uh, uh, you know, for him. Uh, we took a nice family picture of him at the game, mm-hmm. and then the game's about to begin, and everything gets quiet, and the PA announcer they do the national anthem. Mm. Now my dad is probably what, um, probably less than one percent left of the World War II veterans. Mm. Yeah, and you know he's got you know he's got the stenosis of the back; it's bad, and so this you know they said, "Would you please you know." take your hats off, whatever, and, you know, for the Star Spangled, you know, banner for our national anthem. Mm. And my dad starts, you know, pushing up to get up. We said, Dad, that's okay. No, 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 I'm getting up. I'm getting up. Mm. So my dad, you know, gets up. He's standing up, back of his hand, still holding on, you know, to his, you know, behind his back a little bit, just holding on to the walker to keep him up, you know, just to make sure. You know, I've just got my arm around, you know, just around him, just to make sure he doesn't fall or, or anything. And then he starts singing it in a low voice. Mm. That was, yeah. That was it for me. I was, yeah. He didn't see it, yeah. And in fact, if anybody in my family is listening, they're like, "Oh, really? <laughs> you didn't tell us that?" Because mm. you know, then everything happened. I've forgotten but I just thought about that, yeah, uh, yesterday, and I went, "Wow!" Just it was so important for him to make sure that he stood up and mm. sang the national anthem, mm-hmm. and I just went, wow. Well, it just. It was really emotional for me.
0: Yeah, um, watching veterans do that uh, is is always amazing. And when it's your dad, and sometimes you forget. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. in your mind, you know, it's dad. And then you're in a setting, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're talking maybe to another veteran or something, and and you're like, man, this is the time I'm glad that I've learned the ability to shut up and listen, right, and pay attention Mm -hmm. and Mm-hmm. and all that so yeah those amazing moments are great great yeah
2: so it was a great weekend now i did have something new in a delay in a, and, in a flight and, delay in a flight delay okay so during the winter time mm-hmm. i mean people it's funny because i did post early in the morning that i was you know at the airport whatever and some are, you know uh listener said but we thought you had sunday off During the wintertime, whenever I fly back to Buffalo, I always give myself a day buffer. Yeah. right. Because I don't. There are few times of the year that I will, if, for example, I'm there, I'll, you know, I'll take the, if it's nice weather, you know, during the summer, I'll take the, the, if I'm working that night, like Monday night or Sunday night, uh, I will, you know, take the 6 a.m. flight, direct flight here. Uh, if the weather's nice, but during the winter time, I don't do that, mm. but so got to get, <laughs> it was up at, my flight was 6am. So I was up at two thirty, and it's a blizzard. I mean, it's a blizzard. I mean, not a, only maybe two inches of snow on the ground, but it's a whiteout. So I had to drive the 10 miles in a complete whiteout with about 30 mile an hour winds, mm. 40 gusts and the, it's just complete whiteout, just complete whiteout. Yeah. Get to the airport, it's like okay, everything's cool. And and I went there, I get there extra early because it's it's been jam packed. And you know, if you fly a lot, they have that clear program and they're getting rid of if you're a premium flyer, they're getting rid of those lines. Mm. They want to make you pay if you want anything if you want any anything if you if you want to get through the TSA line quicker. They're going to make you pay for it now. Right. And so they, I mean, you're paying for it anyway if you're a premium flyer. Mm. Uh, and DFW still has it because American Airlines is so big there, but American Airlines is not, you know, huge in in Buffalo. They mm. And so they took out the premium lines, which would be, I guess, for all the airlines, to be American, Delta, whoever has a premium program. Right. Those people are now shut out. It's like, well, you can get clear for 180 bucks a year. And it's like, mm. and so I, I haven't done that yet. I won't do that at the moment and and so uh the last time Christmas, I had to wait forty five minutes in the line and I wow. haven't done that in a long time. Mm. so I was preparing myself so I got there right about quarter to four in the morning and uh nobody in line. no one. yeah, just no one. I just walked right up and went in uh and and so I'm like, okay, things are going good. things are going good. All of a sudden it's like, okay, we have one flight attendant that's that's late. okay, there's the flight attendant. We board about five minutes late. Right. But then they, fill the, they get the plane all filled, close the door, and it's like, oh, okay. We've closed the door five minutes before we have to, you know, move back from the gate. All right, mm-hmm. we're going to be early. And I know they have to de-ice the plane, but uh, there they just move it back and they go, it's not only going to take a few minutes. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're sorry to, to tell you that we have a problem here. This is the pilot. They can't move the jet bridge back.
0: it's stuck it's frozen but, or did they say why or?
2: they just said they we had no i they never explained it but they could and it took took like i don't know 45 minutes uh to get the jet bridge to move back once they did that they said and we have lost our place in line because the jet bridge won't get back and now, is there a
0: jet bridge movers union there orders i have, at that no, airport or I have or? no idea i they, mean that could be it
2: i know and it, and it's like well we, now we've lost we've lost our place in line for the deicing and uh, we're like uh four, four planes it's like there's another 45 minutes so
0: I, I well, there is a deicers union I know that.
2: Yeah <laughs> and, and, and so it's just like okay that's a new one. I mean I've been yeah. delayed for mechanical problems on the plane, I've been delayed for every reason possible and it's like oh wow a new reason. The jet bridge won't pull back and we
0: cannot pull the plane back well, while the jet bridge is it's it's and that is that there. is that is a new one and you fly a lot you fly yeah. mm-hmm. on the average once
2: a month probably but well, once every three weeks if you take last year I think it was once every three two and a half to three weeks yeah,
0: yeah. I I fly now only a few times a year uh, especially since COVID but used to fly to a lot of truck shows those truck shows kind of have moved around some some have gone away uh, for the trucking industry. So I am usually flying for business, and it's like you know, I, I get there when I get there, right? There is nothing I can do to control what's going on. The most unique delay for me was something kind of similar, and we were on on the plane, sitting there, and we were at O'Hare. My we had a we had a stop in at O'Hare. We had a I had a connection at O'Hare to go to my final destination uh, at uh, Quad Cities, Moline. And the pilot comes on and says, sorry, uh, we've got a shortage of people and we're waiting on the fuel truck, but right now we just don't have many fuel truck operators. It's just, we just don't, they're not, Mm. you know, working. And this is a couple of years ago. And he said, they're, they're just not working right now. So we just have to wait our turn. And it took probably around 30 or 40 minutes to get fuel and, that was the most unique. I'd never, and the the pilot said it in a more frustrated tone than I just said it. I mean, he he clearly was not happy, and it was you know nothing re, we can really do about it. But you could hear the frustration, the tone, and that was something to me. I was I was like you know. Because it was about that time, it wasn't much longer after that, that I met, um, my wife and I were on vacation, and we met a, a, uh, a couple that came over from, from, Cal- from uh, Russia, and they were trying to figure out which state to live in, and at the time, they were living in California, and we were, we were telling them both, no, 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 don't stay there. <laughs> <laughs> they said it was really expensive. They said, you know, we, we don't think we can stay here. We, we don't know where we're going to go from here. Um, But we're thinking, you know, a couple of states and we were talking to them about Texas and the whole thing. And anyway, so because Governor Abbott requires that of all Texans, (laughs) it's the law. But we were we were talking and he was a an airport worker in Russia. And he's talking about the conditions there. And he said, you know, you just have to work because it's just, you know, it's not communism anymore. So it's not that bad. But he said, there's just no. There really aren't any, you don't have any gloves in the, in the dead of winter. You don't have any, you know, they don't provide you a lot of the employer. doesn't really provide you with a lot. And of course the money's not great. Um, it was a stark contrast to what, um, uh, Tucker Carlson was <laughs> showing us in a grocery store the other day, their story telling us that. And, and I thought to myself, you know, it, it's because I, I wanted to get into that conversation. Well, how many people in Russia fly? can afford to fly because we always talk about how many people in America can afford to fly right Mm -hmm. now, you know? And, and so, you know, but I always think of that at, you know, the, he would get out there and his wife was telling us, and they were a a young couple. His wife was telling us, you know, he wanted to, he went out there every day. didn't matter. He never missed work. Didn't matter. It was really hard. And now we come here and we feel kind of guilty because it's a lot easier, even though you work long hours, the job itself is a lot easier. And I thought to myself, "Wow, stark contrast." You because know, I think of those two. You know, well, sorry, we don't have enough people that want to work as uh, fuel operators on on uh, flight lines at airports. You know, so we're delayed. And then, you know, I was willing to work in you know ten below zero with no gloves. Didn't pay much, but I still did it, and I showed up every day. After COVID, we had,
2: uh, there There was trouble, I would say, and maybe it was last year, mm-hmm. where they had trouble getting, um, uh, you know, people on the tarmac. Right. And we came in one time. We came in, you know, and it's not a busy airport at 1030 at night. We had to wait 45 minutes.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh,
2: just sitting in the tarmac. Okay, we have to wait. There is no ground crew. Yeah. It's like.
0: I had that know. once coming okay. in. we had, it wasn't actually. Well, it was the luggage crew. I don't, I don't know if they separate ground crew from luggage crew, I, I, you know. But we came in from Are they union? Nevada. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I don't know. But we came in from Nevada, and we had to sit on the tarmac for a long time because of the lightning. If there's lightning within oh. a certain radius, yeah. you mm-hmm. can't go up to the gate. Mm-hmm. And so we sat there, and it was a long time. I mean, it was over an hour, you know. And, you know, I was like, okay, that's uh, – I, I took it in stride. And so it was probably one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, and we get we get in there, and they said, "Well, now we don't have anybody here because all the you know the crew went home, so we have to call people back out to get your luggage." And we were like, "Okay." It was three or four in the morning before I got my luggage.
2: One time I couldn't land in uh, Buffalo because this is when they were flying the small regional jet. So this yeah. goes back probably 15 years ago. We're Mm. not really flying them anymore Mm. in there. Uh, And the winds were so great. And the weather was so bad they couldn't land, they had to go to Rochester. Wow. When we land in Rochester, and they're like, all the gate people, all the tarmac people Mm. have gone home for the day. So we have to call someone. Wow. It was over two hours later. They had to call somebody who had to come in from home to basically open up that section, yeah. open up the gate, get yeah. the tarmac, get yeah. somebody on the ground. It was a good two to three hours later. Wow. We just sat there, and it was, I mean, it was pouring. It was, we're at a part of the airport where, I mean, it, that side of it was dark because that whole part of the terminal was closed. Mm-hmm. It was wow. just.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And the plane's shaking back and forth, you know, yeah. because the wind is so great, and yeah. the rain is just hitting like crazy, and it's like. All right, and then we had to get in there, and then you had to wait for everything because it took longer. They had to get the baggage handlers to get the bags out, right? And it was just, and and then they had to get a bus. They ordered a bus, and the bus took us to the Buffalo airport. Mm. So probably supposed to get in, I don't know, about eleven. I Mm. think we got in like five or six in the morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and Rochester isn't that far. You're talking about, yeah, right. You know, for more probably sixty miles, sixty five miles from airport Mm. to airport. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. Adventures in flying again. Yeah. It was, it, when they said it, though, it was like, oh, a new one. So the jet bridge won't pull back.
0: Okay. That's never happened before. Well, maybe um, maybe the uh, jet bridge movers union was on strike because uh, of the whole Trump thing. You know, maybe.
2: <laughs> we'll get to uh, that. What, happ- what happened was no surprise. The one surprise thing for me. Uh, and it wasn't even a surprise that, that he upped it to $355 million from whatever the original was, mm-hmm. 250 or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was a surprise where, you know, this is, you know, and look, they're trying to screw him over completely. And we'll get, go through it point by point. But the fact of to appeal it, he basically has to come up with the entire amount and put it in a government account, escrow, basically. Right. Yeah. He has to pay the fine up front. Right. There's so much wrong... There's so much wrong with this. Uh, We knew what the decision was going to be because the judge already found him guilty. Yeah. But the fact that you can't have a jury trial for this.
0: Yeah, that's insane.
2: The fact that, well, we'll go through the specifics of it because Mm. there's so much, uh, there's so much to talk uh, uh, about uh, on it. Uh, Plus uh, uh, the uh, uh, Fonnie Willis situation, Mm -hmm. uh, what they're going after. Wow. Now, Jim Biden's a name coming up more often. Okay. The AmeriCorps and the uh, and uh what was the name of this currency? What currency which currency? Not AmeriCorps. It's, remember the remember the joint the, the joint currency between the United States and oh, Mexico? Oh, uh, and... the Amero. The Amero. That was yeah. like the Amero, yes. The Amero. The Amero. The Amero. The Amero. Yeah. Right, okay. I knew it was
0: something like that. I go, AmeriCorps. Yeah. The Amero.
2: Yeah, it is uh, but uh, the
0: whole AmeriCorps uh, The Illuminati situation. gave me like $100 in Amero about 10 years ago.
2: <laughs> I heard it on the radio. It does exist. By the way, that wasn't that quick, though, on Thursday? Th- when you and I were here, it was like, oh, okay. Uh, Joe Manchin says it's a possibility he will uh, 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 pick uh, – John, or not Mitt John, Jerry, John Yeah, so same difference. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Somebody on the left. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and like the, the the next day it was like, you know, he's not running. Right. Did you hear Mitt Romney? Like hours after he heard, right when Mitt Romney heard it, told told Joe Manchin, uh, no. He said no, 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 no. no thanks. We've got a
2: great show ahead. (laughs) We'll talk about that because of what the no labels party is doing. There's so much to talk about. 866-90-RED-EYE.
3: This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Tires command a lot of attention. As a top expense for drivers and a leading cause of CSA violations, any tire maintenance practice that can help extend tire life is worth consideration. Consider tire balancing which can set you up for savings and a smoother ride before your tires touch the highway. Tire balancing and wheel alignment are different services, but both contribute to a smoother ride and should accompany tire replacements or repairs. Tire balancing corrects an uneven distribution of weight in tires and wheel assemblies, providing improved vehicle handling, increased fuel economy, and the overall lifespan of your tires. Balancing your tires also helps keep vehicle hardware like cab rivets tight and can help with the resale value of your vehicle.
1: We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he is Eric Croney and I'm Gary McNamara. I'd mentioned uh dad at the ball game and when he got up to sing the Star Spangled Banner. I actually I just did it now on uh, Twitter, uh Gary at Red Eye One. Uh wait a minute, was it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I forgot my I forgot my own X handle. Uh but uh yeah, you'll uh, you you can uh, find it there. Uh <laughs> I'm trying to f- what what is my <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Gary at Red Eye 1. Yes. All right. At Gary Red Eye 1. At yes. Gary Red Eye 1. You can see the picture of my dad at the okay. game. Okay. Right. There you go. Cool. I got it straight up.
0: Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And Truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEye. that's the letters CP Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6.
1: About to trigger somebody right now. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley on Red Eye Radio. And
2: uh he's our com Gary. That is not our intent.
1: Ah, sometimes
0: it is. Uh, that's right, I shouldn't say that actually uh oh. Did I get caught in a lie? Just say sometimes hmm. it is.
2: Okay. Once in a while. Yeah, once in okay, alright. Yeah. Norm- normally, it's not my intent. Once in a great while.
0: Define normally.
2: <laughs> it all depends what the definition of normally is. I'm just is. saying
0: sometimes. I mean, you know. Like- <laughs> I, I'm just saying maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I'm the no-labels talk show host. <laughs> I can't... I. I won't commit to anything.
2: Well, I will I know. I <laughs> There is something that I do once in a while that is based on, you know, like, eh. Mm-hmm. And that's when I say, but it's true. I, I I believe it when I say, I'll sit there and bring up the stuff that's going on on the issues today, and I'll say every single Democrat listening knows that. Yeah. Now, I know when I say yeah. that, there will be some Democrats who go, yeah, okay, I moved. Others will go, "Ah!" Eh! And I have thought about that in my head.
0: Yeah. We okay. do not agree with you. Yeah,
2: you know, but yeah, so yeah, that would be an attempt to trigger
0: on my part. (laughs) Yeah, well, but it's also, you know, you know, from our perspective, the truth (laughs) 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 because we don't believe you're stupid. Even if you vote Democrat, we don't believe you're stupid. We just believe you're wrong for voting that way. So we believe you're smart enough to know. We believe you do know these obvious things. I I will say this. The majority of people that that I know that are Democrats
2: and liberal, hmm. the vast majority of them do not have the correct information on the issue that they are defending. Which mm-hmm. means they're not stupid. They may be ignorant. They may not have the facts, and I think it was uh, it was uh, Larry Leonard. The is it Larry Leonard or Leonard Larry? I forgot. Mm-hmm. You know the the per, the uh, uh, radio personality was Charlemagne Sh- the Charlemagne God. the God, mm-hmm. and we we call him whatever his real name is: Leonard Larry, Larry Leonard, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that takes a little bit of the oomph off it. Mm -hmm. A little bit of the arrogance. We're trying to help him out a little bit.
0: Well, it's the (laughs) God part that I just hesitate. Yes. That's the part where I go. "Mm
2: -hmm."
0: Yes. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, But his blast in Trump, it's like, you know, as you notice, they do the same thing. doesn't matter who the Republican is. Every Republican is this incredible radical. He's making the point. We all know that's not true. Mm -hmm. And as we have stated before. One of the things that you, what we're going to be talking about here when we go to some of the analysis on on the uh, the civil tri- the 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 uh, the civil uh, uh, trial here, uh, where you know you get to the point of of uh, you know what is fair punishment and what is not you know uh, fair punishment. Yeah, people understand it. They, I have found that every single analysis that I've seen, whether it is from a regular rank-and-file Democrat, or anybody in the press gets completely wrong why people are upset with that Trump verdict and the punishment.
0: Hmm.
2: We are, we argue, as we stated before, on every major issue they argue lies, and we'll start with the border is secure. That is a lie. Right. and then you can go on from that we can run we can run the grid on solar and wind that's a lie and that's not a wrong prediction you know well they're predicting that we can do it no they're not they're saying we can do it here in the next 10 years we can't do it right it's impossible right we can't do it and so when you when you and so when we start talking about all you know all these uh, you know uh, particular things and how we debate the triggering is based on the fact that we're only going to argue what the facts are. We're not going to argue delusion.
0: Yeah, right.
2: And other people may wish to get into these semantic
0: arguments. We don't. Well, I, I don't find it's uh, an efficient use of time. I think mm-hmm. if you're if you're going to have the discussion get straight to the point, And the semantics thing just goes off, you know, quite often on on a rabbit hole. And it's kind of the social media approach. And I don't really subscribe to the social media approach of arguing things. It's just not the forum where you actually have a discussion.
2: No, they degrade very quickly into name calling.
0: Well, I mean, that's it. It, It's it's littered with so many things that don't belong. Oh, and and I have no use for that.
2: We saw Bill Maher. I think Bill Maher, even though he was pounding on Republicans, he came out and said, uh, I was reading the quote that uh, uh, Donald Trump is not Hitler. So stop it. Go ahead. Wow.
0: Uh, From the guy who said, this guy really is Hitler. We said the other guys before him, all the other Republicans were Hitler. But this guy really is Hitler. And now he's saying he's not Hitler. Now he's, was he, he's bad, but he's not Hitler. Now, was he taking back what he said, acknowledging that he said that? I don't. I just I saw the quote. Okay, I have. I haven't. Yeah. I, right.
2: haven't uh, I started going through a little bit of, of his. Uh, you know, it's uh, the uh, the Friday night uh, stuff. But he's getting back now to analogies that are that are bogus for the Republicans. Mm. He's getting pounded so much. Yeah, he's got to come back a little bit. That when he comes back at Republicans, it's actually based on on things that aren't relevant to the discussion. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm finding. So I'm finding, when he does that, I'm like, okay, this is boring. This Mm -hmm. is, you know, that's what I, it's like, you're not really wanting to argue the facts, you know, behind it. I know him and Ann Coulter got into a thing um, where um, she was talking about, you notice when there's a mass shooting now, and, you know, if it's somebody who is white, that the media covers it different from somebody who is not white, mm. uh, who is transgender, who, mm. whatever. It's covered completely different, where it's actually become, it's actually become, if you've seen on, on social media, that as soon as it happens, like, oh, okay, the suspect isn't white, you're not going to see the kind of coverage, and you don't. Right. So Ann Coulter brought that up, and he mm. goes... How do you know it? She goes, "It's self-evidence. It's obvious." Oh no, you must, you know, whatever crystal ball or whatever, because it's not certain. She goes, "It's obvious to people, and the fact that you can't see it, <laughs> it makes the point." Right. Well, no, that's it. That's that's part of the plan, and and so, uh, but and and so, I think he's finding out. Look, this is uh, you. You see, again, there was a lot of shock. We knew this was going to happen to Trump. Mm-hmm. We knew what was going to happen in this particular case. There was no doubt about it. And I know that when the result comes in, it's still like, Whoa, wow, man. But, uh, as of Thursday, you, the Democrats right now, none of this election for the Democrats is about any issues where they stand oh, except, no. except yeah. maybe abortion, but they can't be honest with with where they stand on abortion. So there isn't an issue because on abortion You know, it's like, you know, the White House keeps saying, well, we're for where Roe v. Wade is, so you're for restrictions on abortion. We're for Roe v. Wade, so you're for restrictions on abortion. Should abortion go to birth? They are for abortion going to birth. They can't admit it. Right. Because the polls show that Americans aren't for that, which, again, should be a point which I haven't heard any Republican bring up on abortion as we are brought up on the show, which is, well, that's the key right there. Because then it's not, because you're still here, it's about a woman's body and a woman's autonomy. No, it's not. Not if the majority of women, according to the polls, believe that abortion till birth is wrong, up, to, up until birth is wrong.
0: Which means they believe at some point that it's not about right. the woman's body. And every single pro-choice woman
2: over the last year, and there's been a number of them that I have discussions with, lead with it's my body, I can do with it what I want. And my mm-hmm. next question is, oh, so you're abor- till abortion, till birth. Well, no, 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 no. Well, then it's not about your body. right? What? <laughs> they get angry at me. Like, who's the man telling me it's not about my body? I go, no, I'm not. I'm not telling you. This isn't me. It's the philosophy that you're holding right now. You're you're saying it's not about your body because you're saying that some at some point inside your body... Life begins. Mm-hmm. You've said it. If you don't want abortion until birth, then at some point it becomes a life. That is the key right there because then the difference, all the difference is, is when does life begin? That's where the argument at this point begins. It's no longer about a woman's body because the, if the majority of women believe that, even those that are pro-choice don't want to say abortion. And you know how paranoid the Democrats are to say they're for abortion till birth, right? They'll yeah. say no restrictions, no restrictions. Oh, you're then you're for abortion till birth. Well, no. Well, you just said no restrictions. What does that mean? Right. They can't explain it, and so this to me isn't about the issues at all anymore for the Democrats. It's simply about fear and Trump. We all know that. We figure that was going to happen. Yeah, sure. On the Republican side, because of what's of what happened. And will continue to happen with these these uh, court cases, which is lawfare, which is just, again, not warfare, but lawfare, mm-hmm. you know, uh, trying to defeat your uh, your candidate by manipulating the law. And that's what's being done in this particular case, because there's no way this can be constitutional, what Trump's going through. Absolutely no way. Somebody show me how it's constitutional. You can't.
0: No, no. It's- because
2: even if you believe that Trump committed f- fraud, there's no way you can justify you know the the what they call the uh, the death penalty right uh, on this there's no way you can justify 355 million dollars when nobody was damaged and nobody complained right. not
0: one person there are no victims well it's an arbitrary number and it's also an arbitrarily high number it's it the 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 point of it is to do damage to trump with the 355 yep. That's what you're talking about. Do as much damage as you can. And during the appeals process, he still has to put that money up.
2: Now, for Republicans, it's still about issues. That's still a part of it. But now moving to the forefront is completely the two-tier system of justice. Right, And it's the feeling in the Republican Party. uh, And I think many Republicans and many independents that if they can get Trump, if they can destroy Trump's life, then they can, destroy, they can destroy my life, they can destroy the country, but basically there are no constitutional rights. If you can go after the
0: leaders, then we've turned into a banana republic. Yep. And it will happen over and over again.
2: Yep. And the other thing that solidified that was the fact that the Department of Justice won't go after Biden, which we believe when it comes to, wrong, if you're looking at wrongdoing for having uh, uh, classified documents, Biden is his charges or the the char- the charges that they could have got on him way more than what Trump did. Oh yeah, yeah. and so that's yeah. showing it right there, and it's like there's two tiers a system of justice. once that happens in people's mind, the United States is gone. yeah yeah and so but you have a combination of the issues because you also look at the border. if we don't secure the border, what kind of a nation do we have if we if we're committing energy uh economic and national security suicide with believing we don't need fossil fuels or natural gas, if we're destroying our economy by, you know, the Green New Deal, by government deciding what we do, it's not just about a difference in opinion. It's on the issues. These issues are destroying the country all the way up to the prosecution of Trump.
0: And by the way, I think it also puts a greater contrast on Biden making money. And oh. enriching his family. Uh, we, we, we,
2: yeah, we, and, exactly. and we'll get to Trump that. Too.
0: losing money just by running, right. even before you get to the decision from the other day. No, that's a great point. And now I think that contrast is even greater.
1: Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
5: Are you into weird, spooky and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us?
3: Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search BLEAV on YouTube or wherever you listen.
2: It's Friday radio. He's Eric Carly and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Coming up following the top of uh, the hour, we got some uh, great audio from uh, last uh, Friday after the decision came down uh, from the uh, the judge on uh, Donald Trump in the uh, the civil trial on uh, the the uh, Fonnie Willis disqualifications back on today.
0: Yeah, very interesting to see where that where, yeah. where that goes. It's you know, it's it's hard to know the show that she put on that first day, and just getting hammered over and over and over again. I I do think there's an approach by the judge uh, in that case to just be as calm as you can. So let everything play out. Let the facts tell the story. You know, uh, whereas it was quite the opposite with the New York trial with Trump. You know, the judge right off the bat, well, you're guilty. We're just going to... Decide later how guilty you are. I mean, that guy's right out of some weird sitcom, that judge in New York. I mean, he's just bizarre. Just bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Or or some weird Seinfeld episode or something.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Judge Vandalay. Yeah. (laughs)
3: Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com.
1: This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the
2: planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank
0: you. Thank you. We are here. Did I say our names? I don't know. (laughs) I don't listen to this show. What
2: what day is it? I can't tell you. Yesterday, yesterday. I mean, I, it, I was like, no, it's Sunday. No, it's Monday. It's three-day
0: week. Uh, yeah, uh, my uh, wife uh, didn't have the day off, so it kind of fell into place for me pretty easily because uh, the company she works for hates presidents. But the, the whole <laughs> – <laughs> uh, but uh, she worked, so it felt like a Monday. But, man, what a gorgeous day. We're just getting spoiled with some really great weather. I was looking for excuse after excuse to go outside. And, man, it was just gorgeous. It was just great. It was a nice day. Yeah. We have a nice week coming up.
2: Yeah. All right. So uh, so here we go. Look, we've talked about this many times. What happened last Friday was not a surprise. I mean, it's shocking, but we knew we knew what months upon months upon months ago mm-hmm. when the judge said that he's guilty. This is simply to find out how much to punish Trump for right. for uh, fraud. And so we've gone over this many, many times. We go back to the initial statement where the judge was talking about how outrageous uh, it was, you know, the uh, the fraud counts and uses an example Mar-a-Lago. that mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much Trump, uh, you know, had it listed for, but uh, the judge came in and said, well, it's. It's obviously only worth about this amount of money, and it was like fourteen million dollars or something. I don't know if Trump had a hundred million or something for the value of Mar-a-Lago, and it was commercial real estate people that came in and went, "Whoa, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? You need to shut up, Judge." Yeah, you know yeah. You, the when you talk about you know these things, and you especially you talk about somebody who is a celebrity like Trump is, who is different, the the uh, assessed valuation. Of commercial real estate is what people will pay for it, yeah, right. And and so, uh, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't do that. No. And so immediately, and the, the judge just seemed to uh, ignore it. What we have stated in any type of fraud, because what Trump claims he did on his financial statements to get different loans, was he put what he thought, and then he put a disclaimer on it, right? And he had that in his statement again. Everything had a disclaimer on it right and nobody has debated that and that would be debated if it wasn't true
0: right and it's and it's also up to these institutions whether it's insurance or or uh, financial institutions and loans it is on them to do their own due diligence in fact they that is part of the foundation of any business like that you have to um, which is why banks always, and talk about appraisals they use appraisers that are approved you know that that you know you could you could say well my neighbor said you could say whatever it doesn't matter if you come in and say well i own that and you don't own it well now that's loan fraud we have laws and you can't do that but right. this this didn't even this approach didn't care about the laws there were no victims none whatsoever It was the state saying, well, that looks shady. So we're just going to create new law here and punish you accordingly. Where we've never punished anywhere,
2: anyone ever before in the state of New York on this. Right. And so that's the problem with fraud without a victim. And not just fraud, but what constitute fraud. Trump did not sign a document that said, Under penalty of perjury, I say this is right. Right. And, in fact, he had a disclaimer that these are my analysis, and, you know, we know the bank does a due diligence. In the case, I think it was the Deutsche Bank loan. They said, well, it didn't even matter what he put there because he personally guaranteed it. It became a personal loan, not a commercial loan. Right. And so we used what his assets were personally, not commercially. Right. And so it didn't even matter. They went to every single bank and lending institution. Not one said they felt that they, in any way, that Trump committed fraud against them.
0: Right. Well, if they did, they would have filed a complaint. Exactly. And I'm you about, know, they, yeah. because that gets into their uh, you know loss prevention and and risk department where they come in and go, oh, whoa, this created tremendous risk, and and as an institution we have an obligation to follow through and at least contact authorities and say, Hey, we've got a complaint here. That didn't happen. Not even once. Right. There are no victims. No.
2: In fraud. Right. right. And, and so, yeah, but there were, uh, alleged victims. You, how I, I was trying to find it cause it's tough to find an analogy close to this because, Commercial real estate is its own entity in a way, mm-hmm. as we all know. But all real estate is. But I was thinking that I remember the one time that I that I put on my taxes. You know, I put something on the wrong line. Mm-hmm. I had it in there, but I put it on the wrong line, and it showed that I all of a sudden I get this note from the IRS that I what was it? I think I owe six thousand, or and with because it's over five thousand, I owe a thousand in penalties or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, and and at that you know point, I you know I went, what did I do here? And I realized I put it in the wrong line. When you put it in the right line, it all came out. And I called the IRS and everything. long story, <laughs> short story, long, <laughs> it all worked out. Yeah. Uh, and and they took it off because I just put something on the wrong line. Now, uh, if you if you did that and had to pay a lot less. You put something on the wrong line. And remember, on the IRS thing, you just happened to, it was a mistake. You put it on the wrong line.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so all of a sudden, uh, it shows you, you know, you owe, uh, what would it be? You owe uh, whatever it is, more or less whatever, that, that, but you put the wrong amount on there. Right. Well, you get it straightened out real quick. It's like, oh, I put it on the wrong line. Well, sorry, you've committed fraud. Yeah, but it was a mistake. I put it on the wrong line. Doesn't matter. You know, with me, they simply looked, okay, yeah, it's on the wrong line. Boom. You have the figures in there.
0: You know, Mm
2: -hmm. you simply, it's the same exact figure in the wrong line. That could be fraud. Right. No one's hurt because everybody got paid. Nobody didn't get paid. Everybody got paid. Right. Even the government got paid. But we're going to technically call it fraud. And since it's fraud, we're going to fine you, too. Mm-hmm. And we're going to fine you $10 million.
0: And we're going to take your earnings uh, ability away. Right. You can no longer have income right. from anywhere.
2: Or have we said before, I like the analogy of the assessment on, you know, fighting your assessment. Mm-hmm. And so you go and use the... the assessor's office tells you your house is worth three hundred thousand, and you say no it's worth 240 and here's how i'm relating it to my comps yeah but your comps are not exactly like this you're trying to rip us off you're committing fraud
0: right
2: what prevents that in new york state nothing on any on nothing. any individual assessment
0: nothing and if, if they want to use this as a as the uh, basically the launching point for a massive fundraiser against anybody and everybody and go after them. They can. any Any property owner. Any property owner right now in the state of New York is extremely vulnerable for the state coming after you in this way. You don't have to be Donald Trump.
2: No. Because if they can succeed... Against Donald Trump, guess what? You're toast.
0: And if the rich people are leaving, because they are, then they may look at it and go, well, here's another revenue opportunity. If this were to hold up in the appeals process, well, we're just going to have to do what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to go in and and find people that, that now we can say are, are cheaters, are fraudsters. We can now throw this at them. And go after every person who owns any property in the state of New York.
2: Because everyone is going to, there isn't anybody out there in business who isn't going to attempt to get the best deal and look at a commercial property, which there's no way. There's no way you're always going to agree with the state on an assessment of anything. Right. There's always going to be a debate and a negotiation on that. Right, And to turn that into lawfare seeking to destroy, and that's what's going on. They're seeking to destroy. This is It is blunt. The Fonnie Willis case, this case, blunt. And I'm glad that I saw a lot of uh, people on the right talking about specifically in the Fonnie Willis case, the RICO part of it, which is mm-hmm. completely and totally bogus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the RICO part Part of it is how they tie Trump to everything. I, the only thing they really got on Trump is the RICO, yeah, which is bogus because in order to get to the RICO, you've got to say that the Trump campaign is a criminal organization whose only goal is to make money illegally. Mm-hmm. It, that's not the case, and so they're attempting to change that law. Right? Yeah, and and so you and so you look at it. I want to play this because this was. Uh, one of the most uh, uh, w- uh, widely, uh, uh, I think, uh, 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 it went viral over the weekend. Uh, Kevin O'Leary on uh, with uh, with on Fox uh, on was it Fox Business? Yeah, with Neil Cavuto mm-hmm. on uh, on Friday. Now he he gets off track a little bit because he's talking about. I think he's looking at you know wh- where he's going to invest and looking at New York and just putting this one. He first starts out, then he gets back. To the actual, you know, the the actual specifics of the case, but as he talks about New York in general, and something that we talked about because everything post COVID, and he says is everything post COVID. This is where all this shift has happened. And he said there's winner states now, and there's loser states, and it's something yeah. you and I've talked about. Yep, yep. How does this change the American economy when you have states that are trying to economically kill themselves? When you have a New York, you know, when you have Illinois, when you have California, and they're attempting. Because that's where it's first going to come down, you know. We, you, and I were looking at some of the GDP growth from last year. So much of the GDP growth is in Florida and Texas. Right. Yep. And you look at these other states that are actually trying to kill their economy. Yeah. And and so he's and and he talks about investment. Let's hear part of this here.
4: This award, um, I mean, just leaving the whole Trump thing out of it and, and seeing what occurred here, and, and I'm, I'm no different than any other investor. I'm shocked at this. I, I can't even understand or fathom uh, the the decision at all. It, there's no rationale for it. And so let me give you a real time uh, experience I'm having regarding this. And I'm not the only one. It doesn't matter what the governor says. New York was already a loser state. Like California's a loser state. There are many loser states because of policy, high taxes, uncompetitive regulation. It was already on the top of the list of being a loser state. I would never invest in New York now. And I'm not the only person saying that. And here's a real time situation. In development in real estate right now, the hottest asset class is very high end data centers. They cost anywhere from two and a half to three and a half billion each. They are very expensive, they require low power, you need permits, but most of the major institutions in the world need more data centers and that's why developers like me are doing this. Now, you need power, so New York has Niagara Falls. Normally you'd consider that to put in one of these facilities, create 400 jobs, five more jobs for each of one of those, for auxiliary services. I can't go to New York. So I'm going to Oklahoma, North Dakota, West Virginia. Governor Stitt, Kevin Stitt, my staff have met with him. Governor Bergen, the same thing. Governor Justice, those are winner states. They don't do things like this. I have to syndicate that debt and all that equity. We're talking billions of dollars here. Do you think any foreign institution or any private equity firm or any pension fund would touch New York? No, and that's why New Yorkers should be concerned. The fine people of New York should ask themselves, why are we such a loser state? How are we going to attract business? It's not just the existing businesses that are fleeing out to Texas and Florida. What about new money like this that I'm talking about? Like a $4 billion data center? Not a chance I would put that in New York. Zero probability, never. And so they've got a lot of work to do to find themselves getting out of this situation. This has all occurred post-pandemic. Winner states versus loser states. Look at Tennessee right now, fastest growing city in America, Nashville. Winner state, good policy, competitive taxes. You've got to start thinking about this in the context of winners and losers. New York, mega loser state something that you
2: and i you know brought up a long time ago you know post covid saying what's going to happen because you kept seeing a pattern and you keep seeing a a pattern in these liberal states continuing to commit economic suicide
0: you know as we said
2: before they're committing energy suicide they're committing economic suicide and you see it uh with the inflation rate the, the poverty rate the people leaving for example california and New York, and this is frightening for any uh,
0: business. Who wants to open up a business now in New York? Well, that's it. Uh, Who wants now to, well, and who else might be considering? The the ones that don't want to be all over social media saying, you know, well, we're leaving, but there are plenty that won't say it. They'll just get up over the next year and decide long-term we can't stay here. And it might be large businesses saying we can't do this because this risk is out there. This risk of this happening is out there, and we can't afford it. We want states that welcome us and that nurture the, that kind of growth. We want that kind of state. There's no telling. I don't know what's going to happen with New York State, but this will leave a scar for a long, long time. Even if it's overturned. Eight six six ninety red eye. Brought to you by FPPF fuel power max
3: least owner operators should be aware of four common revenue myths lest you fall into the trap of mistaking revenue for profit myth one concentrate on increasing revenue because costs will take care of themselves this is not true as costs are fundamental to the profit equation and the area where owners exert the most control to improve myth two More revenue per mile is the answer to all problems. Though carrier pay packages differ in structure, revenue per mile really doesn't change much from company to company. But there can be a big difference in miles, overall gross revenue, reimbursements, and fees. Myth three, all you have to do to be successful is run a lot of miles. In reality, revenue is only half of the profit equation. Costs are the other half. It's possible to generate a lot of revenue, yet spend $1.10 to make every dollar. Myth 4. You can tell how well you're doing by the size of your settlement check. The settlement check is only a part of the success picture. Miles driven, loads hauled, conditions, mechanical problems, time off, and especially costs all have to be considered. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Overdrive's Partners in Business program. Go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Partners in Business section of the website for more details on this and many other topics. Brought to you by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance.
1: Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
5: Hey,
2: it's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he's here, Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. We have more audio coming up following the bottom of the uh, the hour. Uh, on the uh, uh, decision uh, from the judge that Trump must pay $355 million in the civil fraud case. And the other thing is, too, he's got to put a bond for it. And, they, and the point's been brought up. Well, he's got to come up with all the money because who's going to loan him that money right now? Right. With the situation that he's in. Right. Who's going to put up that bond? Uh, and it's like, so he probably has to come up with the full amount just to appeal. There is so much here that I feel is unconstitutional. And number one, not being able to get a jury trial. Number two, no victim. Number three, the disclaimers on a financial statement where it's not fraud because nothing was under the penalty of perjury on any of the documents that he signed, clearly because he had the disclaimer on it. So where's the fraud?
0: Yeah, it's there. It's, I think, blatant, uh, again, political motivation here and. I can't wait to see what happens next in this case.
1: to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios.
2: And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Uh, So I think Friday was a realization because it was so big in the news uh, from many Republicans and even I think independents out there that that there is a two-tier system of justice, and in essence, we become a banana republic. Those are yeah, the two things right. that you hear yeah. more than uh, than than anything. And you know the 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 push to destroy the opposition uh, for high office in the United States, not through voting, but through selective and bogus prosecution. And right. I think that's why you have so many people upset. Now, we knew this was going to happen. I mean, I wasn't surprised at all on Friday. I wasn't shocked because we knew the judge already found him guilty. Mm-hmm. And when James said, well, we need an extra $100 million, you knew the judge was going to go along.
4: Because yeah, it doesn't well.
2: matter whether it was $250 million or $355 million, whatever the figure is, uh, even if he had committed fraud. And I say, for example he had signed a statement saying uh, you know under uh you know under the uh, the, the threat of perjury mm-hmm. you know right. or prosecution for perjury if you put any false statement on here well his financial statements weren't that and he put disclaimers on saying this is my, you know basically this is my this is my assessment of my properties right and of course you do due diligence and the fact is you had no victims And then what you have is a situation where you have no victims, where you might see, if you had victims that were ripped off, and it was so egregious, you might see punitive damages that would still be knocked down. But here you had no victims, and so you have no compensatory damages. Right. And just hand the money
0: over to the state right.
2: so the punitive damages are oh people have been asking where does the money go to the state it goes to the state yeah and I want to play this audio cut I don't know who this is I've searched like crazy it was on Fox over the weekend one of the panel discussions and uh somebody put just the clip on YouTube but mm-hmm. it's definitely a uh, he's a lawyer he admitted you know he said I'm a lawyer and I just cannot find who it is. Uh, But he had one of the he had one of the best statements, uh, I thought, where he said, let's simplify this. Let's simplify this because these cases people hear it and goes, well, it's really complicated. And we have said it's really not complicated.
6: Right. Right. But here it is. But to oversimplify this for the viewers, what we need to understand is when we say that no one is claiming victimhood. okay, meaning not the banks, not the lenders. okay, this is the financial equivalent of convicting someone for murder. But no one's dead. And that's why we're outraged. There has been no crime from the standpoint of there's an aggrieved class we need to avenge. And that's why this looks so brazenly political. Understand, a lot of the attacks on Trump are being sold to us as an effort to protect democracy. That sot you just played to start off the show was her denying the legitimacy of the 2016 election. It began with her going, we're going to get this illegitimate president that's and break right. him down. And she ran on that. The way they get away with this really quickly, and I don't mean to get all Serious because people bring me on because I talk like I get paid in Tide Pods and tequila. And that might be true. Okay. They manufactured a hysteria around Donald Trump. Okay, Trump was part of the fabric of polite society his whole life. The man hosted a primetime show on NBC for 15 years. He was not a fringe loony with a bunch of white supremacist friends. He was their friend. They went to Mar-a-Lago. They went to his wedding. The Clintons hung out with him. When he entered politics, they manufactured a hysteria of, we don't know this man. I'm like, you know, aside from all the selfies of you hanging out at his country clubs, you don't know this man. But what they're doing in this moment is they're going to this place of emotion that the rest of the country isn't on board with meaning emotion denies you self-awareness that would otherwise tell you you sound crazy so they've taken this to a place where the rest of us are just like right. i don't know no one's mad about the loan <laughs> shut up and move on with your life judge jimmy has spoken so is that
0: jimmy faela then i think it is is it i think yeah. that's who it would be then And by the way he's getting tide pods and tequila we're, not, <laughs> we're calling our agent in the morning. But didn't he, in just less than two minutes, really hit everything? No, that's it. And we talked about that, that liberals love the guy. They loved Trump. And up until the point he's running for president. By the way, they were the ones, Phil Donahue, Oprah, Larry King, all of them, you're gonna run. You're gonna run. You're gonna. It was pretty much any time they had him on, and it was a lot over the years. He was a household name, but they loved the guy. And then what was the? What was inevitably? What was the next question? Well, if you do run, sorry, I do a bad Oprah. Well, if you do run, <laughs> and to think I thought that was Larry King. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can't do Larry King at all. And if you do run, what party are you gonna run in? cuz because that's where he was and no one could and the liberals just loved him you know wow that's why
2: he had liberal ideas well that that was the thing Part that of it, he had, it, i mean the, it, the, the that's wealth. why they, that's why they asked the question right. that <laughs> way remember when he came out with the wealth tax in his book yeah they loved it oh yeah go after him go after yeah. him here's a billionaire who's got it right and he, exactly he he yeah. wants he wants a he wants a, well, a one time wealth tax right and again he dropped it when he was advised that because remember well his was only a one time wealth tax yeah it's like there is no such thing as one time once you start something in government exactly. number one what we what we learned but the the other thing was when he realized that you know i forgot what the amount was and uh, that he said uh, that every millionaire should be taxed on their wealth for one year to remember the concept was to pay off the debt right exactly it, it, sort of like Because that was even in 2000. Remember, Ross Perot brought that up when he ran, Mm -hmm. uh, that he was going to pay off the national debt with a (laughs) 50-cent increase on a gallon of gasoline. Yeah,
0: 50 cents per gallon at a time when we were still hovering around the dollar per gallon, I think, right? It was somewhere in there. That would have been, what, 90, 91? was? yeah. Yeah, I don't remember where we were because it was years later before we got, you know, where we were nine, dollar forty nine. So, yeah. Well, I remember when I. But when it would have been, the point is, right. it would have been a huge percentage increase for the cost of a gallon of gasoline.
2: Well, when I came here and I, uh, to our flagship station, WBAP, mm-hmm. and they asked me to come fill in. Uh, and it was St. Patrick's Day weekend or St. Patrick's Day the Thursday. And then St. Patrick's Day was on a Friday. And this goes back to 2000. So 24 years ago, this coming St. Patrick's Day, when I filled in the first topic that I ever did when I came to Texas was gasoline had gone up to over $1.60 a gallon. Yeah. That was, right. So that was
0: 2000. So 91. Yeah, right. And and I remember, you know, like when diesel popped and and truck drivers. Uh, weren't getting, uh, you know, fuel ch- surcharges and everything else. And it was like, you know, we're getting crushed and and, and getting all those phone calls. 1991, uh, it varied between, uh, in January of 91, it was, the average price was 94 cents, 94.8. And then okay. in December, it was 80 cents. So it had gone down. Now, I don't know where, you know, if that was a sudden drop or, or what had happened, but adding 50 cents a gallon to it would have been huge. Right.
2: And the belief that you could get Congress to agree to that yeah. because you are promoting it and the fact that they would actually cut spending, you know, in order to, or, or that 50 cents would actually balance the budget. Yeah. Because would Congress stop spending at that point, as we've seen, it doesn't matter how much money you give them, they're always going to spend more. In fact, when we're at the worst we've ever been with the deficit and now the interest on the debt uh we're spending more money than ever before it hasn't stopped anything at all whatsoever by
0: by the way google used my location clearly and that was those were texas prices the national average at 91 for the entire year was a dollar 14 thanks california
2: (laughs) you cannot you cannot use Texas for energy prices no, no.
0: <laughs> most was, of the time. <laughs> it was pay us when you get some money. Right. Um, no, it, it was a dollar uh, fourteen on the national average back then. But but still, it would yeah. have been a massive, massive. Yeah. Uh, to
2: the point of of Trump again. That's why we brought up uh, when when uh, it was that was brought up by Perot. Uh, but the to compare it to the wealth tax, uh, the left loved the wealth tax. Right. They loved how Trump talked about securing the border. Mm-hmm. They loved his policies which went which really were the same as they are now. Trump always runs from capitalism to protectionism. He's always bouncing back between both of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And they seem to eat that up. Yeah. And when he said, hey, you gotta right. protect the industry, since for the most part, Democrats have been for the last forty years pro-protectionist. Yeah. They're right. they're the ones that they're the ones that have wanted the tariffs. Now you're seeing it's moving that the Republicans now are more accepting of it. But that was loved by it. But as we've stated before with Trump, you've got to say he's the most radical person out there. You have to lie like they did about Charlottesville. Mm -hmm,
4: mm -hmm.
2: Because they can't hit him on the issues. He's a moderate. That's the incredible thing in American history when you look back at it. Trump on the issues isn't even necessarily conservative. He's a moderate, but on specific issues, he has stated which is where the Democrats have gone way left, is immigration, we need to secure the border. And it's like the whole thing, yes, but he wants a wall. Got razor wire all over the place. There's, there, there, there's been parts of walls all, all throughout it. So Trump's wall would be wrong? Well, we've got some places that are walled off, you know that's fine, but if you want the whole thing walled off to actually solve the problem, then that's xenophobia.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and and that's another thing too is that the the polls in 2016, most Americans, yeah, we need to secure the border. Then, if you add the if you add the 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 follow up question, well, do you think we need a wall? Well, we don't know about a wall you know and that's because it was associated with trump and and that's where it is you know we talk about trump derangement syndrome but it's real it's real you can't have any question about it you can ignore it you can lie and say it isn't real but seriously all this over one guy what the hell's wrong with you that's how much of a threat he is? Seriously. If you're a liberal, because if you think about it, what we've laid out here, the entire thing of what has he said about single-payer system? Uh, he said we need to re-explore that. As late as 2015, he said that. A year before he officially you know, jumped in, or just actually months before he officially jumped in. I think it was on Letterman when he said it. He's talked about the expansion of Medicare to solve the problem, and so here's here's the problem: is is that you can't have any Republican get the victory, the party can't get the victory, because we said we said it during his first term or leading up. I think maybe we said this uh, during the election season. But we said, well, he might be the first Republican to convince other Republicans of a single-payer system because of the way things were falling mm-hmm. in line right. and his loyalty was building. It was like mm. Mm, he might get it done, be the first Republican that could get single-payer system done because of his influence. you know. And that's the, you know, that's the thing. So you have to ask yourself for the liberals, what are you afraid of? Well, for the ones who are just only politically driven, you can't have any Republican getting the victory on any of those things because then the party itself—and by the way, it would be our complaint, another complaint about the Republican Party—if you know things like that started to happen uh, for conservatives, we would have an issue with it. But for liberals, you know, they can't give any victory to anyone who is a Republican. Right, it, this is it's not the the
2: focus is Trump yeah. and they wish to destroy Trump because he's leading right now. We'll get to more coming up here 86690 Red
1: Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at 86690 Red Eye.
2: It's what radio. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's where we are right now. And I thought really that probably Friday and it's going to be continuing, you know, because of Fonnie Willis and everything else Mm. where it now for Republicans, it's becoming I think issues were greater. And I think now that a decision has been made like this with the three hundred fifty five million. Now it's gotten to the point where Democrats, it's all Trump is Hitler.
0: Yeah, you know, that, right, that, right.
2: That's it. They really, right. yeah. the Democrats can't argue any issue out there. There isn't one issue that they can argue. All they have is Trump. The Republicans now have the issues and the, the mindset that exists based on what's going on, which is yeah. legit. Right. That there's a two-tier system of justice and it's a banana republic going after the opposition candidate.
0: Yeah.
1: is red-eye radio
2: all across america and around the planet he's eric carley and i'm gary mcnamara good morning welcome thank you for being here well no sports stuff huh football's over so no taylor swift stuff nah we wish grandma gaga well yeah she's doing okay i heard she fell on stage
0: What's gonna happen yeah. at that age, you know. Yes, so
2: we just you we know, hope grandma Gaga's doing okay. Then in case you don't we know, don't we-
0: want her to fall. Remember yeah. when she actually spent an entire award show performance on the ground? The MTV awards show, like a virgin, and she was laying down on the ground and the whole thing it was iconic. It was really her her first big news making event. And now she falls down well, it's just because she's old, you know. Hi, but. I'm Madonna for the Clapper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotta yeah, be careful. Yeah. Because um, that could be a totally different product. I don't, I don't even know what it might or might not do. But that might be an endorsement you shy away from, if you're her. Yeah. yeah, so you figured out Grandma Gaga
2: is Madonna. We've called her Grandma Gaga for, her. well, since Lady Gaga got popular. Yeah, I wonder if Madonna's ticked off. You know, dang, Pink and and Taylor Swift. His
0: kids kids? his kids these days? With their they call that music <laughs> like a virgin that's music, okay, get up off the floor, would you <laughs> it's 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 not pretty, it wasn't then, and it's not now <laughs> <laughs> like a virgin, everybody knows it, everybody knows one of the best songs I've ever written oh. <laughs>
2: It's a classic. And to think that's when I really, that's when I really started, you know, was really got heavy into music radio. Mm-hmm. Would have been 83. Mm-hmm. So it was Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna.
0: Mm-hmm. Boy I,
2: boy George.
0: You know what I just watched the other day? So I was waiting for something and I, I you know, I kind of was the captive audience. I thought I'll, something to pass the time. I pull up Netflix. And there's the making, is a documentary on the making of the We Are the World song and video, which is one and the same. They were recording it, and then they were videotaping it mm-hmm. for the video itself. Parts of it were actually interesting because it was a snapshot of, oh, my gosh, look at him. Oh, he's wearing that haircut. Whoa. And who was big in all the genres? And they knew they had to get... So they get Michael Jackson and and Lionel Richie to write the song, right? And then uh, they decide they're going to get it done the night of the American Music Awards because everybody's going to be in L.A. that night. We'll just... Bring him over from right after the AMAs, and then we'll. And Quincy Jones is the producer, who, by the way, I came to the conclusion at the end of this little documentary here. I can't, I can't tell you whether I recommend it or not, because number one, that song has been stuck in my head since I watched this thing a few weeks ago, and it's driving me crazy. But I will say this, and because the word genius is thrown around, Quincy Jones as a producer showed in that documentary what the value of a great producer is. You have to, it it has to be diplomatic. You have to talk to them in an empowering way. Because you talk about a Michael Jackson and a a Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie's (laughs) talking about, Michael Jackson's boa constrictor or whatever, python or whatever, just ran loose in the house and he was at Michael's house. They were writing it. And then all of a sudden this, he hears this hissing and he looks down. There's this giant snake and Michael's telling Lionel Richie, oh, he likes you. He just came out to meet you. He really likes you. And Lionel Richie's like, man, I know this horror movie. I've seen it before and it ends badly. And so it was pretty funny. Uh, I'm a Lionel Richie fan, I'm more of a Commodores fan, but I'm a Lionel Richie fan. But kind of laying out how things were going on, you know, and in this process, and and also the Quincy Jones thing of being able to pull something, because <clears throat> there were some people in that video who aren't singers; they're vocalists, and. Then when they were showing the raw of of him kind of getting out of them their best, I was like, whoa! I was watching it with my wife. I said, I did not, and i got to be honest with you, I never thought Kim Carnes had a great voice. I'm not trying to trash Kim Carnes. I'm just saying that was my opinion of her voice. I didn't, you little, know, well, Betty Davis' yeah. Eyes to me was not a great song. little raspy. Yeah. Uh, but her vocal range in that making of this video i was like whoa bruce springsteen same thing and he apparently was on a tour uh it was you know he was his vocals were you know really worn and then by the end of it they got out of him a vocal performance i'd never heard from bruce springsteen yeah i know what you mean i know the part of the song you know and it was yeah. isolated and when they isolated it, it was even more impressive, because the song itself kind of buries everybody in. Mm-hmm. Well, then you get to Bob Dylan, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. which rendered laughter from our control room, because here's the here's the thing, and probably a lot of people in the audience. Bob Dylan, you're going to have a, not a protest song, but a kind of activism song. We need to do something about what's going on and, you know, the famine and all of that. and We need to we need to help. Uh, uh, it was Harry Belafonte that kind of led the, you know, the uh, the charge to, to get this whole thing going. And we need to do something about this. And if you're going to have if you're going to talk about, I don't know, being a, a politically active a voice of his time, yada, yada, yada. Then Bob Dylan, they, they felt was OK. You got it. You can't do this kind of song without a Bob Dylan except you've got some vocalists in there and then you've got some singers in there and you also have Bob Dylan. And I forget who it was that said it. It wasn't Quincy Jones, but but somebody made the comment in the video that, well, he, he doesn't have the same vocal range that other singers in there have and, you know, blah, blah. And then... According to Lionel Richie, Al Jarreau was drinking too much wine. <laughs> that was it's on the it's on the thing. It, well, I want to watch this. Now. No, no, no. It's, I, I no it became it, it became funny. Yeah, and Lionel Richie helped make it funny. I mean, it, he because he's kind of sitting there being interviewed. Uh, Kenny Loggins also was being interviewed. There were only a handful of them that were you know actually being interviewed separately for this, but Lionel Richie really is kind of the lead in lining all that out and and how it went down. But he's talking about Al Jarreau was drinking and wanted to celebrate basically the whole night, uh, even before they were done. And then all of a sudden you see Al Jarreau and Quincy Jones working with Bob Dylan over in the corner, trying to get the Bob Dylan out of Bob Dylan in the performance And Al Jarreau is doing a bad Bob Dylan to Bob Dylan. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is because Al is going just do the uh, "We Are the World." We are, and I'm like, stop. It's painful. This is painful. (laughs) And it's that impression was great. Oh my! And you know, and that's the thing is that we are the world. We are the world. (laughs) There's a choice, and you're just kind of lobbing these words out. How do you fit this in? Well, no, that's it. (laughs) Where do we put it? You're right. Now I realize what a great producer Quincy Jones (laughs) was because he made it work. (laughs) Well, no, genius in bringing it all together. And I'm really not. I I mean, it's in pulling. Everything out of everybody. And it's funny Mm -hmm. because uh, Waylon Jennings was supposed to be in it and he actually was there. And then they they got into, they wanted to do some of the video, some of the song in another language, which was Stevie Wonder's idea, saying, look, we could probably, you know, go, this could, you know, potentially be even bigger internationally. Maybe we, uh, I think the language was Swahili. And then someone pointed out later after they'd worked on it well, that that doesn't apply because that language isn't even spoken in in the areas where we're looking to benefit. Oh, with the fact, you know okay. where the where the Bam money it. is right. is going to go, and so but it's like then they wanted all these people to all of a sudden learn in Swahili and sing Swahili, and at some point again, uh, I forget who was standing next to uh, Waylon Jennings, and he goes, "Well, I I don't think I see good old boys." aren't good at learning new languages or something like that. And he just, I'm out of here. And He's just walked out. He's just gone, you know? And so it's, I mean, it was such a, it was like watching a Simpsons episode. Really? That's what it was. Is that, it's a uh, uh, Netflix, YouTube,
2: Netflix. Okay. All right. Yeah.
0: And it, it's, it's just one of those. And I had seen the, the thumbnail come up and, I was like, eh, eh, I don't know about that. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm game. It's one of those kind of dare moves. It's like you're daring yourself. How long would you get through it? Well, I, truth be told, I watched the first half alone. And then I told my wife, I was like, Yeah, it was kind of weird. And then when we watched the second half, it all came together. And it was actually overall, in my opinion, or at least to me, pretty funny. You know,
2: you reminded me when you said Lionel Richie that I did here in in the last month. I watched the uh, Kenny Rogers documentary Mm. or not. Yeah. Kenny Rogers documentary. Right.
0: And it was also in that song. We are the world.
2: Yes. And and, uh, you know, I I didn't know that all the great hits that Lionel Richie had after the Commodores. Mm -hmm. He wrote at Kenny Rogers house. Yeah. He lived in Kenny Rogers guest house. Yeah. Kenny Rogers invited him. I'm thinking, well, he wasn't poor. Right. And he came right. out of the Commodores, they had massive hits. Oh yeah, yeah. Doing a yeah. solo career, huge, huge. did he did he pay rent or did he just say, "Come on, move yeah. into my move into my house," <laughs> you know? And yeah, and that's uh, kind of
0: the creative thing. Yeah, yeah. and he said,
2: yeah. "He goes, just you know, come on, move into my house," because he had helped him. He had I forgot what was the song that Lana Ritchie wrote for. Her? Oh, it wasn't Lady was it? Uh was it? Yeah, the, I can't remember the, but, the Kenny but, Rogers song. Yeah, but but on that album, the massive album, "Dance yeah. on the Ceiling" and everything else that he had. He wrote yeah. all those songs in Kenny Rogers' house, and then the other one that I watched about ooh, maybe a third of it and went, oh, okay, that's enough. Mm. And and maybe I'll go back and watch it. Was Dave Grohl on on uh, the vans that all early bands went in? Yeah, he you know basically goes to all these different Guilty. bands. Yeah, you know, but did you know? Uh, let's and he found uh, the Foo Fighters' first van. He owns the first, Wow. Oh, he, he found he, the first he bought it. He bought it. He bought so he's got, and he was driving around and it. He didn't fix it up or anything. It's well, he's <laughs> driving around. It's like no, it's it's nostalgia force. So he decided to do a documentary on bands that became really popular, including they had you know the Aerosmith van that uh, they had on uh, what you call it, mm. uh, American Pickers. Oh yeah, yeah American yeah, Pickers yeah. found right, they right. they found the, the you know the the van, and then uh, they fixed it up and everything for, for Aerosmith. And so Stephen Tyler was in you know. In that Aerosmith van, and so they were going through what it was like. That if you're really a great band, so many of the great bands started out in vans because you actually become a unit by being in a well, van. All Aerosmith the time.
0: early on, and they talk about this. They they toured. That's how they got famous. Is that they had to play every time they could play. He's yeah. if they 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 talked about starting in the northeast and just wait, work your way through the country. And so I can only imagine, you know, and you're living in a van together. Basically, you're living in a van together. If you can afford a room. Uh, for us, we didn't, I mean, we didn't travel, but in my band, we had a guy who's a friend whose father owned this huge furniture store, the one that was all over TV, and his dad was in the commercials, that kind of massive furniture business, and so he was able to get a a, a van anytime, you know, a moving van, basically, uh, anytime we wanted it, and and he became kind of like our road guy. Again, we didn't tour. We just regional, you know, shows. And so we had that kind of thing. And I would, it. it's probably what kept me from pursuing that kind of life. I'm not a nomad person. I don't think I could live in a van with, you know, three or four other guys, you know, full-time trying to, yeah, we're going to make it. We're going to, yeah. For we're five years. For five <laughs> years. Well, no, those are the things. You don't, because you don't make a dime. You know, you're, you're lucky if you get food that day, and, and quite often it's somebody that gives you food, you know, and it's like, no, no. I mean, the guys in all the massive bands talk about this. Out in L.A., it was a thing.
2: Now, Kansas had a – Kansas, I think, started out with a bus. They had that bus. Had yeah, a bus right. And they talked about the fact that uh, they each got $1 a day. Yeah. That was basically their pay in Kansas. And this is before they – they hit it big before, right. they You know, before they actually started go, going out on tour. Once the first album came out, yeah, yeah. Then they were doing better, but they were at one dollar a day.
0: Yeah, right.
2: And even after they made it big, they weren't getting because not made it big, but they had you know they were, they were moving up more in the Prague rock area before before Left Overture came out and they went well you know, through
0: the roof. Your record label chargebacks, you know. Well, yeah. we paid for this on the road. We paid for this. Now you owe us this, so you could come out owing money at the end of a tour. Goo Goo Dolls. Two Biles yeah. had two of the most massive hits. Though well, I think the one song, I forgot which one it was, the soft stuff
2: one. Yeah. Soft stuff's what made it for them. Uh, and it was like the most played record for like a year and a half.
0: Right. And they owed money Everywhere. at the end of it all.
2: And after all of it, they yeah, they just said, screw it.
0: Yeah, TLC, uh, uh, the uh, the girl group TLC, said the same thing. We ended up owing millions of dollars after our tour, you know, because they all the chargebacks. It's crazy. Yeah, no
2: thanks. I'd live I'd live in a, guys, the basic minimum. Yeah. I'm keeping the cash. You're not getting it in chargebacks. Give right. me give me regular food. I'll go to McDonald's. I'm not going to exactly. lose all my money on the road. Right,
0: right. Well, that's kind of the way the Foo Fighters went. We're going to keep all of our our music rights. We're going to keep all of these things so that we own them, you know. And and that was, was certainly a smart move.
1: 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. To show you how I haven't been paying attention to sports, I didn't even know there was an NBA All Star game this weekend until I heard about what Charles Barkley said on the alternate broadcast, the altcast as they call it. Yeah. everybody's doing that now. Let's have another. You know, it's the the Manning brothers. You know, for football. And, right. We won't.
0: You know, we'll do that aside from the actual broadcast. Broadcast. Right? And, you and you know,
2: different channel and watch the alt broadcast. This
0: is it right here. I just
2: want to play it because this this is greatness. This mm. just this is fun. The, minus, uh, hey, you know, hey, the hey. 17 degrees. Hey,
1: hey, hey, hey Reggie. Yes. If you had a if you had a chance of being cold or being around a bunch of homeless crooks in San Francisco. <laughs> you, oh, that's crazy. Oh no. You're not welcome. Oh. Hey, no, no, you're, in. you're
3: not welcome hey. say, hey. say no, we
1: don't. <laughs> yes, we do. You can't even walk around down yes, there.
5: Yes, you can
1: walk around. Yeah, with a bulletproof bag.
5: <laughs>
2: I need to watch more of the old broadcast oh, on the NBA. That was funny.
0: That's hilarious. Maybe you know,
2: it's time for me to come back
0: they were, Exactly. Watch. By <laughs> the way, uh, Barkley may be one of a few people that can get away with things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about San Francisco uh, like that and, and, uh, and some of the other things that he says but that's funny I know
1: 866-90-RED-EYE. Now's your chance to be the caller. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric
2: Carney and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thank you for being here. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen where and when you want if you can't listen live overnight. And thank you. Mm-hmm. We do appreciate it. We do. All right, I did find uh, the transcript. I'd mentioned earlier about, just to start the show, I'd mentioned uh, Bill Maher. Mm. And... Uh, you and I had always said, look, we know that on some of these things out there where he seems to be talking more right of center <laughs> than he has been, which he has been, you know, a total loyal uh, liberal mm-hmm. uh, all this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we said, look, watch it. He simply can't. There are some things that are just indefensible. Yeah. You know, for example, I was I was uh, reading the article, it was from the UK, where this woman had season tickets to a soccer club Mm -hmm. they call it football but it's not football no uh and (laughs) that'll be the biggest number of complaints i get this week yes it is Um, and uh this woman season tickets and she went on social media talking about the transgender movement and said a transgender woman is not a woman season tickets taken away banned for another two years after that so basically three years banned from getting season tickets for promoting hate speech, not hate speech. It's a it's a statement of fact. Yeah, and the right. funny thing is, where did I see it? I'll see if I can find it. I think I have the, I think I got some audio of it, and it was on the, um, oh, it was uh, something on the transgender movement, mm. and and uh, I think this might have been in Congress, and there's one of the Congress people saying you know they're saying you know basically that a you know man can't be a woman that's not what we're discussing here we're discussing identity no you're not no. they can never tell the truth on it because if you're simply discussing identity and you and you say we want to recognize that this person thinks this way and we're legitimizing the thought yeah but that's tough even to say cuz how can you le- legitimize the thought and not the argument right because the argument that the transgender movement is making Is that you are a biological woman, and if it was simply identity, and you didn't, you weren't moving further, you would not have any. There would be no attempt to have biological men play against biological women. Right. But see, on that issue, they can't tell you the truth. Right. Right. And and so, uh, as we've said before, Bill Maher just knew. Okay, this is going too far. The liberals are going crazy now. That's insane. Because I've said this before. I believe you can base whoever you're going to vote for just on that alone. Yeah. And you say, "Right, you're kidding. No, if a political party is to find the most well-known science that exists out there, biological men versus biological women, then what else won't they pervert? Well, you've seen it. The border is secure. Is it? Hmm. Oh, by the way, we'll get to what Biden is apparently going to do from the Axios story, and we'll tell you why it matters. No, we <laughs> We'll you tell can, you why it really matters. Yeah, you can you can figure that out for yourself. But uh, Bill Maher, during his monologue, said everyone has to stop turning up the hyperbole knob up to 11. I play the audio, but there's profanity all over it. So <laughs> uh, a knob to 11 before playing a clip of Sean Hannity saying every single thing you think of is worse under Joe Biden. And he says, "For F's sake, Kimberly, calling Sean Hannity, Kimberly. By the way, is that not misogynist or isn't that somethingist?
0: Right. Yeah. Uh,
2: for for F's sake, Kimberly, stop being such a drama queen, or go or go change something." Uh, Meyer uh, mayor said, "Mar said, excuse me." Uh, Right. The American dream is dead because Mars bars used to cost a dollar and now they cost a dollar twenty five. Yes, everything is worse under Biden. The flowers don't smell as sweet. The Wi-Fi is slower. IHOP tables are uh, stickier. And gets into a sexual comment. Uh, And even the fentanyl doesn't kill like it used to. It's just gets so dull consistently hearing the same talking points you know they would be making no matter how things were going, Mars said.
0: That shows you how weak his position is. Over uh, and, and by the way, right after saying that the hyperbole needs to be tuned down? Exactly. He goes on that rant? He goes on the hyperbole that isn't existent. Nobody's talking about
2: Mars bars alone. It's general inflation. Right. That is hurting people. Right. And then the flowers don't stop. The argument isn't flowers. You're making an argument nobody is making. Uh, The Wi-Fi is slower. (laughs) It may be. That's not the argument the Republicans are making. IHOP tables are stickier. Nobody's making that argument. That's hyperbole. And that hyperbole that Bill Maher said he's against, which he is actually using, as Eric pointed out, Mm -hmm. is actually worse hyperbole because it doesn't apply to anything that we're debating, except... The Mars bar in general, it's not Mars bar, it's everything that was a dollar is now at least a dollar 25. Well,
0: well, in your hyperbole, you just pointed out a 25% increase
6: yeah, in I mean,
0: something, and uh, you may think that that's nothing, and you may have thought that that's a just a silly little joke, uh, example of something, it's very real to, to parents and families who are struggling to make ends meet as a result of inflation. Because yep. I would
2: sit there and simply say, okay, inflation. Yeah, but people have jobs. Yeah, but you have to under- don't you understand how that's worse? Because if there's a recession, 90% of the people are still working and prices are probably down. The right. problem is here, even if people have jobs and can find jobs because of the demographic evolution in this country, because no... Women coming into the workforce like they used to and no baby boom has created a unique situation. Right. But it's worse, Bill. You know, if you're sitting there and you're making millions of dollars, you know, you're part of the problem because you don't recognize it and therefore you simplified that it's just oh, you know, just a Mars bar cost a dollar twenty five instead of a dollar. That's the only thing that they're doing. I mean, that's a child he's arguing like an elementary school student. That's an adult does not debate or justify their position that way. And if you're going to in the adult world, as Eric pointed out, say hyperbole is the problem and then go to the worst type of hyperbole, which is not addressing any of the issues, at least if Sean Hannity said, Sean Hannity's actually less there's less hyperbole there. He's saying everything's worse under Biden. Well let's go through it. Inflation. All right. Yeah, but people have jobs. Yeah, but they feel even more hopeless because they have a job or a job and a half and they still can't keep up. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem there. Inflation is the worst problem that you can have, economically speaking, because it doesn't matter whether you have a job or not. It affects you and it affects people big time across the board. Right.
0: The border. It's worse. Yeah. Look, uh, and, and, and it's coming from a guy who doesn't have the same perspective. He doesn't have children. Great point. And when, and, and everything, and all of these items, everything changes when you're, when you have to be the provider, when you have to be the one who is in charge of protecting those young people, your children. You, when you're, and and, and that's the idea. It, it really is about everything. Once you become a parent, it is, or should be about the natural instinct should always be, and I, I believe it, in most cases it is, that you have to protect that castle. You have to protect those walls that protect them, You have, to, which includes then the border where there is a threat. Th- these are the things that are disconcerting. When you feel like that there is an invasion, and now, you know, you can say that. When you feel like that the violence has gone way too far because of the whole defund the police thing. In, in your neighborhood, um, and that attitude is now carried on to more and more people not wanting to serve as police officers because they believe they'll be targeted. They believe that their local leaders won't support them in that effort. And that is a massive, massive problem. And then, of course, uh, what's greatly disconcerting as well is not being able to provide, not being able to put a, a, a roof over the head, and food on the table, and and those are all things that go to the instinct um, that, that really drives good parents. Those are the things that changed the game, I think, over the last few years, and we said it back then. You know, whether uh, it was Disney taking on the governor of Florida, you're not taking on a Republican governor. You're taking on the parents of Florida. They didn't see that. They didn't see that because they're blinded, by their own agenda, and they implemented that agenda officially as a corporation, and it cost them. And 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 when you don't get that, when the left doesn't see the fact that you're taking, whether it's Louden or whether it's any of these things, uh, it, it, critical race theory being implemented, you're taking on the parents, and that's where it starts to blur the political lines because the parents – some of those parents may have voted for the left and Democrats in the past, but will not, absolutely will not, cross that
2: line. I thought it, Bill Maher was a perfect example of what you might see from from some of those. You know, Bill Maher. I'm trying to think who else uh, from the the Hollywood uh, the Hollywood set that that uh, you know have moved and say, well, these these policies are radical. And now, as we get closer to the election, are saying, "Yeah, but this is ridiculous to say everything is worse under Trump, and then and then or claim Biden, yeah. about uh, under Biden, and then then make then accuse the other side of hyperbole, and then you use even more hyperbole." It shows the fact that they knew they couldn't defend the things like critical race theory. Bill Maher knew he couldn't defend critical race theory, which is racism or the liberal transgender activist movement, right? As we've said before, because if you want to talk about how things are worse under Biden, the Democratic Party is more racist than they have been, you know, I think, uh, uh, post the Civil Rights Amendment. Right. Yeah. Uh, Right now, they're the worst. I mean, we talk about the the president lying about the Georgia election bill that got the Major League Baseball game canceled in Atlanta, all based on a lie. Right. Oh, did you see the Harvard professor? Mm. That went viral over the weekend. The Harvard professor who was black. Mm. that did the whole study, the extensive study, on whether, you know, racism is a factor in mm. shootings, and it wasn't. Mm. And he said the death threats and the things that he got, he goes, because he expected, he goes, I'm a researcher. I expected a different result. I expected that racism would be a, a factor in the shootings. Mm. All of our research and our extensive research found it wasn't. Right. He said, I wasn't happy with the results because I thought it would come out the other way he said but we checked it and we rechecked it and he said my god we just got pounded on it and and i'm so glad that things like people like that come out and say it because we said it in the summer of 2020 and we were standing alone and we said black lives matter the nba the nfl everybody's lying about what's going on and we got pushback
0: oh there was i mean it was going for a while there it seemed like everything was going one direction yep and and you better start talking the talk. And, and and that's the problem. It it quickly came back to haunt those that jumped in. It yep. quickly came back as a massive failure. And then, you know, the fraud that was committed there, my gosh, we can sit and, and talk about that. But you you know, you brought up the liberal transgender movement. Something else that's greatly disconcerting the parents because we're talking about not just their daughters being able to play on a team. But their daughter's being able to feel safe in a restroom.
2: But just an example right there that Bill Maher, who gets, you know, gets snarky. Yeah. And believes he has great arguments. What a horrible argument he made there. The worst. Absolutely the worst Defeated argument you could make. He's his own argument on yep. the hyperbole. I know. Wow, a- man.
1: 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
2: It's Friday radio. Uh, he's Eric Carney, I'm Gary McNamara. What the liberal media is reporting, Biden is going to do before the State of the Union to show the country that he wishes to close the border, and the Republicans don't. Really interesting article yeah, here. Yeah. That uh, we will uh, that we will uh, get to. And where are we going on EVs and gasoline vehicles? Two articles that I read over the weekend. I'm like, okay. One seems to be contradicting the other on what the where the administration is going. We'll get to that. And no, here's the headline: No labels is pursuing other possible third party candidates. They are looking at several <laughs> exceptional leaders after yeah. Joe Manchin has said he will not run,
0: and Mitt Romney. No. Apparently, right after Manchin mentioned that, it, it, it was, <laughs> according to one report, within a few hours, Romney was going, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. Mm-mm. Uh, no. Which was a very human response, given that it was Mitt Romney. <laughs> AI works quick. <laughs> it, well,
1: <laughs> AI,
0: that's the thing. AI typically... Uh, works a lot quicker, uh, but th- those who would those be exceptional leaders? So exceptional that you can't—I mean, you haven't found one yet. We'll—we'll we'll make some guesses. Oh, coming good. up, good.
1: is red-eye radio
2: all across america and around the world we are red-eye radio he is eric Curly and i'm gary mcnamara welcome and good morning welcome well you see headlines like like this yeah the view the view hosts clash over whether biden should debate trump worry that the president can lose And that's going on, which, you know, the president stands on all the issues and everything else that, you know, it's just it's bad. And plus his cognitive abilities, it's bad if The View is even debating it. If someone is taking the side that they've got to do something about Biden on The View, that in itself is
0: huge. (laughs) Well, I mean. But it's becoming more and more. Who was it? Uh, It was Nate Silver. Yeah. Over the weekend. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Saying, look, there's a real possibility of Biden losing. And it seems the Democrats don't want to do anything about it. Well, my question would be, you know, that's easy to say from, you know, the perspective of a Nate Silver. But if you're advising the Democratic Party what to do about it, what did you do? Where's right. the win? Where's the win? How do you first of all, you got to get Biden to agree to step down or you got to go on the whole 25th Amendment thing, which is going to involve the vice president. And then you think and the cabinet and
2: the the cabinet, it's not going to happen.
0: And so then because then I bring up the vice president because then you expect her to go, I'm going to do all this so then I can step aside, too. Because they don't want her either
2: Uh, here at the fame pollster, Nate Silver. Said President Biden is heading for defeat defeat in November due to his age and declining uh, job declining job performance, and the Democrats have no plan to fix the problems. Yeah. Well, maybe they do. Yeah, maybe. According this to it. another article, uh, Silver, founder and former editor in chief of the of five thirty five statistics, five thirty eight statistics website, said that would it matter? Nobody would have known. I would have been corrected. Uh, said that while the incumbent president can still win. It will only be a result of polls being wrong or voters who look at the race differently when they have more time to focus on it. Biden is probably a below plate replacement level candidate at this point because Americans have put a, a lot of extremely rational concerns about the prospect of a commander in chief who would be 86 years old by the end of his second term. Uh, he wrote, it is entirely reasonable to see that alone as disqualifying. Now, is the White House planning to do something about it? According to Axios, yes. Are you ready? All right. And this would be at the State of the Union address, which would be the Great Reset. Quote this from the article, Axios. Yeah. Biden, um, why it matters for everything that we just said. (laughs) Axios always puts other, why this matters. Yeah, yeah. Biden has considered an executive order that would dramatically reduce the record flow of migrants into the Southwest. This could even happen in the two weeks before the address, allowing Biden to say he took action while Republicans just talk about the border. So let's put this into perspective. Mm hmm. Biden caused this problem by reversing the Trump rules on the border. That's why this happened. He did it by reversing it and when campaigning, telling migrants that they need to come across the border. Telling illegal immigrants they need to come across the border. Yep. Biden caused it. When it got out of control early on in 2021. By the time we got to the summer of 2021, my gosh, we got to April and May of 2021 when there started to be a problem. Immediately, he put the blame on Donald Trump. Yep. All right. That's what happened. It's Trump's. The public didn't buy it. He's always got the blame for it. So then we come to a Senate bill where you had a minority of Republican senators who wished to fund Ukraine go along with a horrible bill that still would have had no enforcement power on the president to do anything. So the Republicans rightfully rejected it. Uh, And during that time, Biden said I have no ability to do anything more on the border. Right. I have done everything. Only Congress can change it. And now the story is out from a liberal media outlet that Biden is going to use the executive order power that he has always had. In fact, the power that he used To create insanity at the border and record levels of people crossing the border. He now is going to, according to the Axios, considering using that power that he has always had and lied about having. In order to make a political point, which is, okay, see, I'm solving the problem and the Republicans are only talking by doing what he has always had the power to do. He's actually... He will, by doing that, he will be admitting to the American public, I've been lying. I've always had the power. Yeah, right. It's amazing. I mean, it's just, I read that and just went, wow. And they believe that because Democrats, they believe Democrats are idiots. No, they do. They they, they believe that Democrats are idiots, will buy anything. Yeah. And Democrats that are against what's been going on at the border and know that it's Biden's fault, we will still give him a pass when he attempts to blame Republicans.
0: Well, you know, that's it. You know, when you look at this situation here, it is obvious. And <laughs> we talked about hyperbole here, earlier. And, and, you know, because you said every Democrat listening knows it.
2: Yes, I always say that.
0: Because yeah. we don't think you're stupid. Right. It may be slightly, you know, a little bit of, hyperbole mixed in there but we don't believe you're stupid we believe you're wrong especially if you're still supporting this party
2: we believe you have a lack of facts on most issues that you're defend if you're defending
0: the democrats or you ignore the facts in order or to you know it, right, you know reshape right. the facts whatever in order to fit your narrative because that's way you know I, I don't know how you get the win it's it's hard to know but but we don't believe you're stupid They count on you being stupid, and it's not just this administration. It's former administrations on the left, and and we go back to uh, Gruber and the whole, you know, who was one of the chief architects of Obamacare, the stupid American voter. Yeah. And that's what they believe because keep in mind with Obamacare, they weren't worried about Republicans. Republicans were not going to be on board. They knew they weren't going to get a Republican vote on this. It was about Democrats. And they had to get out there, and Obama had to campaign in order to get all the Democrats on board. And they do that by getting the political pressure built, and that's what Gruber meant by that. We're going to design this thing because, you know, the stupid American voter. Well, what he was saying is the stupid Democrats rank-and-file Democrats who support us.
2: And and what would happen if he did this and decided, I'm going to shut down the border— uh, we all know if reelected, then would reverse it again. Right. This would only be to win votes, and this right. is this is again where the Democrats spit in the face of even the people that support them, because the people that support them, the vast majority of Americans, look at what's going on at the border and think it's horrible, right? And they blame Biden for it, because Biden should be blamed for it, because if he does what he says he's going to, what Axios says he might do here, which is reverse and go back to trump error policies that he reversed right then he's going to say see i solved the problem i solved the problem why what well, that i created while the republicans did nothing that's going to be the argument yeah now that is you may view that as sophisticated manipulation okay he caused the problem then after he caused the problem he blamed the opposition the public didn't buy it mm. And then this continued, and it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And then the Ukraine funding and Israel funding got in the way, and that became a sense of urgency, which was tied into the border bill. So you had a minority of Republicans that went along with it. But as we clearly found out, it doesn't matter what you put in a bill. What is the enforcement mechanism to force Biden to do what he needs to do? Right. Biden said over and over again, I don't have the authority to do anything. I've done everything. Republicans must give me authority to do it. If he does this, he is clearly showing he lied again to the American public. Mm -hmm. It's part of the Mm -hmm. pathological line where then he comes back and says, I solved the problem. And Republicans did nothing. I solved the problem that I created and always had the ability to reverse He believes he can sell that to you. And then if he gets elected and is a lame duck, that borders back open again. Oh, yeah. If that ever happened. Oh, yeah. You know it. I know it. Every Democrat listening knows it. (laughs) (laughs) And we know you know it. Every single Democrat listening knows it. You know it. You know you're against it. You know he's playing you. Just like Obama played. Played you on Obamacare. Right. You get to keep your doctor. No, you don't. Nope. I'm lying. But you're a bunch of suckers and you'll vote for Democrats no matter what.
0: Well, and that's that's what it comes down to, is that all of these situations that we are in are choices. We can choose to go down a different path or we can choose to keep going down this path. And really, (laughs) that is the divide that we are at as a nation. We still have to conquer the the fiscal issues, and they're not small. That's a whole different monster of a mountain to climb, and that's going to require I don't know what. But with everything on the table, Everything on the table right now. We are at that crossroads. You make a choice if you want to support radicals or not. You make a choice whether you want this kind of stuff to keep going. Biden isn't the last one. Biden is the door opener. And if the Democrats get the approval on all of this, then forget it. And I firmly believe that a lot of this stuff can't be reversed once, that is, once those floodgates are permanently okayed by the American people. If that's how you vote, that's what you're going to get. And they believe, well, we won. We are going to keep doing this and more. So the next Democrat, whoever that's going to be, that gets in the White House or those that are on Capitol Hill, when they gain control, and they will again at some point, we'll take it even further. There is no doubt. And then they pretend that they're, you know, oh, we're moving more to the center
2: as uh-huh. we get closer to an election. Yeah. And then they'll just reverse policy again, and it works for them. And that's where they say the people that vote for us are idiots. We work against their best interest on a consistent basis. We work against their best interest. Think about it. Yeah. Democrats control the cities. Do I have right. to say any more? Nope. Major cities in America.
0: Nope. That's it. That's nope. it. Do they
2: care about the people that live in those no. cities? Do they care no. about their safety?
0: No. No. And they and they're going after, they're pointing at Republicans as the problem. The Republicans don't have power in those cities.
2: Yeah. 86690 Red Eye.
0: Brought to you by Hotshot Secret.
5: Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. When driving, you need to manage the space around your vehicle so that there's enough space to allow you to adjust when traffic conditions change. The space ahead of your vehicle is the most important and one of the easiest to monitor and adjust as needed. One rule of thumb is to allow at least one second for each 10 feet of vehicle length at speeds below 40 miles per hour. At greater speeds, add an additional second. It's impossible to keep other drivers from tailgating you, but there are some things you can do to make it safer such as increasing your following distance, avoiding quick lane changes, and slowing down. There are also several things you should do to ensure that there is plenty of space between the side of your vehicle and other vehicles. Don't hug the center line, avoid hugging the right side of the road, and avoid traveling alongside other vehicles in strong winds, especially crosswinds. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Uh, so uh, the uh, apparently the No Labels is pursuing No Labels party pursuing other possible third party
0: candidates after the Mansion decision not to run for president. <laughs> you know the that announcement non announcement the other day it was so Joe Manchin, Well, I don't know. I mean, I might run. I mean, you know. I mean. I might not. I mean, you know, you never know, you know. And it might be, you know, Mitt Romney maybe. I mean, I don't know, you know. You never know, you know. It was so Joe Manchin. It was like the next day he pulled out. Well, yeah. The next day. And then we learned when he did, when he did, when he was, he, he might be in. And the next day, he's not in. And during that, there were stories that were, you know, demonstrating that Mitt Romney was clearly not on board from the beginning. But where do you go? The No Labels Party is asking candidates to, listen, get up there, but don't don't say anything. Actually, if there were anyone that were cut out for the No Labels Party, it would be Joe Manchin. Don't represent anything. Kind of pretend like and talk like you might one day have an opinion on something or stand for something. But don't actually take a stance. Story says no labels is still pursuing several exceptional
2: leaders uh, really? for a potential presidential ticket after Senator Joe Manchin announced he will not run for the White House. Mm-hmm. Now that Manchin did that, I still have to ask the question: mm. I don't think it's who they want, but with Nikki Haley staying in, why?
0: Are, are you saying so? Does, what would be the do, uh, any other reason why she would stay in? Right,
2: and and my my, and I think we brought this up last week. Is she staying in? Does she think she has a shot at no labels president or vice president? Because remember, what no labels wants to do, if Nikki Haley is running for president, the vice president needs to be a Democrat.
0: Yeah. Right.
2: Who's that Democrat? (sighs) Or if Nikki Haley... Liz Cheney? (laughs) Seriously, who's the Democrat? With all the demonization of Nikki Haley that you get from the left, who's the Democrat that makes that? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe I should just drop it because as I'm saying it, I'm like, nah, that's not going to happen. Why 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 am I discussing something that probably I, isn't going to happen? I
0: don't know who it would be because I, I honestly don't know who that would be. What except? <laughs> Exceptional leader in the Democratic Party. Uh, who would that be? Mary- who lately is. Uh,
2: well, let, let's go with the, the person that's, uh was in second place for the uh, Democrats Marianne Williamson? <laughs> Dean Phillips?
0: Nah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, Fetterman? <laughs> no, because he takes opinions. Well, right. He has a stands on the yeah, border, and you right. can't have that. Right.
1: Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America studios.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, really seriously, the cowardice of the No Labels party. Come on, you know. You and I talk about how one of the 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 biggest problem in this country when you look at it politically is not just the politicians lie to you, and, but the the fact that people accept the lies if it fits their narrative. Yeah, right. And we've never done that. I mean, what, one, of the, one of the things we see is if uh, somebody agrees with us but is nuts on other issues, we usually don't quote them. We do admit that there are people that have radical viewpoints that may, on some of the issues we believe in, have the same opinions. Sometimes... Radicals may have the same opinion that that we have, but for completely different reasons. And that's why it's important to go through, uh, you know, the minutiae of everything that you believe and why you believe it. Because yeah. Then, yeah. Right. then you can't hang yourself out to dry from people that will take advantage if you're, you know, pretty vague on a particular issue. You don't want to give them any opening. right? But with the no-labels party here... The ultimate in BS. I mean, every time I hear somebody speak, I'm saying, "Stop BSing me!" This entire thing. Well, we've we've got all this partisanship here, and if the partisanship would end, if everybody, we need somebody to bring ev- everybody together. I'm hearing that now a lot. Who's going to bring us together?
0: Right. Nobody. I'm not looking for anybody to bring us together. I'm looking for uh, issues to be handled, but it goes back to what we said earlier. It requires changing of hearts and minds, millions of people doing that. We have to decide as a nation, we're not going to tolerate all of this extreme behavior, this radical behavior that's been going on from the left. I would love for the Republican Party to get their messaging together. I would love for them to be able to get the, and and I think there's a lot of great things that they have done. But at the end of it all, that change that comes about that we're looking for is going to have to be brought on after people change their hearts and minds. And I can't tell you if that's going to happen.
2: I go back to the it has to be the late nine the late nineties. Remember when Jesse Ventura ran for governor? I right? was the governor of and, Minnesota, and it was so big that no, this is somebody we need outside of politics. Somebody who can bring every. And we found out basically he was moderate on fiscal issues and liberal on social issues. But basically, he was a Democrat, liberal. I was a fixer. As, <laughs> you tell me what I was? <laughs>
0: loud uh (laughs) exactly that's why i moved to mexico because i'm an american and he's off the grid he's off the grid too he's off the well i had my electricity cut off i didn't have a choice (laughs) a lot of
2: people i can see that i can see the democratic party what are you talking about the advancement we made there are more americans now off Off the the grid grid than ever before
0: Really? Well, yeah, oh, yeah they the had their electricity cut off. They couldn't afford to pay it. turned out that they can't afford to be on the grid. <laughs> the grid's way too expensive.
2: But I, I just, I, when I ever hear the no labels party, I think, you know, it's just everybody, they just take it up to a new level of BS. Bipartisanship. If we have bipartisanship, it will blah, 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 blah. No, everything is where you stand on the issue specifically. Yeah. If that's not where you're headed... Look, if you come out and say, if you as a no labels party came out and said, look, what's happening at the border is ridiculous. 70% of Americans think it's ridiculous. We're going to be the no labels party. We're going to do what Americans want. So we're taking that position there. Okay. Fine. Government spending, it has to stop because the inflation is there. Yeah. Right. You know, and so that, and so we need to find uh, bipartisanship. We need to find Republicans and Democrats. That will get together, even if it's it's a minority, that you find a new party that you have Republicans and Democrats taking those issues where Americans agree basically 70% on, because that's where we're dealing with right now, and you say, this is where we stand. We stand with the American people. But
0: anybody, yeah, anybody who's willing to fight with us to solve these issues. Right. And then then that's who these, this is where we are on the issues. And, you know, because I can say that and we've talked about it. What does conservative mean anymore, right? What is so we know, we know what liberal means, but liberal now sounds tame because it's really radical. Right. And, and so, when you think about the and when we talk about the far left, when you think about all that, then you could say, look, uh, label this, label that. This party is going to be about fixing these items. Here's where we stand. We need to fix the border. We need to be strong on national security. We need to fix the economy. We need to get back to doing. Oh, wait a minute! We need to make America great again. Well,
2: yeah, but no, but when you say you got to fix the economy, you got to give the specifics of how. Because mm-hmm. remember, the Democrats are telling you they're fixing the economy mm-hmm. by getting the government much more involved, well, which
0: is where I was going. Right. Those are the things you have to do. You have to. You have to get out of the way. When it comes to regulation, you have to expand the economy, and we have to get our fiscal house in order so that inflation like this never happens again to another generation. We've got to return the buying power to every American family that was growing before all of this nonsense began.
2: Well, it's also the childishness of no labels. We don't yeah. have any, right. yeah, every, everybody has a, everybody has some kind of a title. I'm a, I'm basically, I'm conservative libertarian. Mm-hmm. People know what that means. I want, people understand because we say we're conservative libertarian. Here's where we stand mm-hmm. every single day. And, and you and I have talked about this in the past. It, isn't it really amazing that that on the economy for example has anybody's ever sat down with Trump we do this 5 hours a day 5 days a week mm-hmm. does anybody has anybody ever asked Biden to sit down and explain for a couple of hours in a discussion capitalism and where they wish to go for example with EVs and the green new deal and actually get into a discussion of how do you believe an economy works?
0: right? Yeah,
2: has anybody ever done that to Trump? I've always wanted to do that with Trump mm-hmm. because of his changing opinions between, right. you know tariffs and free markets, which he's bouncing back. And one is accepting cases of like China, which we view as an exception. right China's an exception right. to it. But I still have no idea. I cannot give you a base mindset as to where Trump stands. On economics. Right. I know what he did, and so I'm assuming I know what he did when he was in office, which leaned against what he was promoting to so many of his supporters, which was much more protectionist, and he didn't go there, and I was happy he didn't go there. Well, the fact that
0: he brought Kudlow in, and you could tell that I don't know if the idea was, because we never really heard it, but clearly demonstrating that he had both schools of thought in terms of his economic advisors. And Kudlow right. coming in was something we said, all right, then that's a good move. At least he's, at, and appeared to be, at the end of it all, listening to Kudlow because he didn't make those major moves, steel tariffs notwithstanding. Those are the things, though, that you look at, at and you say, okay, where do they believe that, or what do they, be- because it's an important when you apply it to any administrative move that administrative move can be overturned by the courts but it may take a long time for that to happen or it sits there and festers and does damage until the next administration comes in but you know more about i'm talking to our great
2: listeners mm-hmm. you know more about us you know a thousand times more about what we think on every issue than you do any of the major Republicans or Democrats.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah.
2: They're all wishy-washy. We get right to it. Here's what we believe. Now we're not running for political office. Right. But the fact is you know more about how we we think about these things, and then no label sits there and comes in and goes, okay, Let's have no labels, and we're not going to touch any issue. And we're going to go as far as we possibly can without touching any issue and just throw out bipartisanship, bipartisanship, no labels. Uh, we need to meet in the middle. We need to find out and get the middle and get the middle, Malcolm in the middle and everything in the middle, uh, it's stuck in the middle with you. Uh, it, it's just, I mean, it gets to the point of just being, stop BSing me. Well, Tell me where you stand on the issues, because that's the only thing that matters to me.
0: It, it sounds like they just want to be liked. And every once in a while, you'll come across people in our business that are doing what we do that kind of just want to be liked and want to be popular. You're not always going to be popular if you're telling the truth. In fact, quite often, you're going to be called out by people that agree with you. One
2: thing you don't do is get into talk radio to be loved. You and exactly. I had this, I had yeah. this discussion. I yeah. don't even know what it was Bob, but someone got into this discussion yeah. in our pre-show meeting. It's mm-hmm. like, no, you don't do, you don't choose this business because you're like, I want daily affirmation that I'm doing the right thing. <laughs>
0: well, it's no, it, it really is this thing because, and and I get that. You know, people that you know, if you were doing something different and that adoration was part of it. And it's like, you know, popular and, hey, really like that guy and blah, 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 Uh That sometimes can be a part of what we do, but it, it's not what we do. What, what, if you're doing it right, you should be laying out your views, your opinions based on the facts and not, not wanting to be popular, not intending to, as the goal to come away as as popular as as or as liked uh, popular is really uh, you can uh, define that many different ways but those are the things that you look at the no labels party and it sounds like well we just want everybody to like us well no the moment you say something you're going to issue an opinion at some point your party is going to have a position. That is going to be countered by one or both sides or, you know, the Democrats and or the Republicans.
2: Here it is here. Uh, and then this is from the co-chair of the No Labels Party. In the next couple of weeks or more, we'll probably make an announcement uh, whether or not we will give the ballot access to a unity ticket. A unity ticket means a Republican and a Democrat. Doesn't necessarily mean the Republican would be the uh, would be the president mm. candidate. As right. we saw here, we're supposed to be the last thing we heard was Mansion or Manchin, and then Mitt Romney as his vice president. Now we know that's that's not going to happen, and Manchin isn't going to run. Uh, a unity ticket means a Republican and a Democrat. The group has said it is likely to make a determination on whether it will push a unity presidential ticket around Super Tuesday and has promised it would not act as a spoiler to help either President Joe Biden or former President Donald Trump like the likely Democratic and Republican nominees so we're not going to tell you where we're standing or anything because then that makes people upset at us and we want a unity ticket here uh we don't really know where we stand on the issues yet we still don't know after what being around for a year and a half I think yeah roughly right. a year and and a half yeah and our goal is not to act as a spoiler to Biden or Trump well if your unity ticket you're if you're a public a, 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 you're a political party you're going to affect the election in some way especially if you're talking about the differences in the candidates normally is plus or minus five points, and you're getting involved, whoever you pick is going to affect, affect the election somehow. Or is your goal simply to say, we? our goal as a unity ticket is to take the exact amount of percentage away from Donald Trump as we do Joe Biden? Right. Nothing has a point for no labels. Exactly. And they seem to be proud of it.
0: Exactly. Jeez. Which is why... They can't find a candidate. And really, I think they're camping out waiting on the whole Nikki Haley thing. I the, I know for sure, and the word is out that they've already talked to her. But there's no doubt they want her. I mean, absolutely would take her knowing how well she pulled with independence in a couple of states. You know, they it doesn't matter, really. It's anybody with any name is who they want. And
2: she has such I, – I can see their explanation. And she has just a huge number of independents that love her, and that's what we're about. Uh-huh. Well, right, who's the vice president, hypothetically? Then, exactly. For Haley. Right. Who would that be? It's got to be a Democrat. Right. Who's it going to be? Well, they're picking a moderate Democrat. It would be Adam Schiff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 866-90-RED-EYE.
1: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, I just, uh, the whole no labels thing. Every time, it's just like, you know, it's like, it's like make a decision,
0: will you? No, that's exactly make what it, it's like. Could yeah. you
2: finally make a decision? Well, but, and,
0: and, and they can't because they want, again, all they care about really is being liked. They want people's votes, but they think they're going to get by with, listen, we're not going to. Um, we're not taking a position. We're not going to go too far one way or the other. You've got to make a decision because the radicals will call you out. They've been—they've been the porridge party. You yeah. know, uh, not, not too hot, not, not too, too cold. cold. Just, you make it just, just right. Just right. You? Yeah. Sorry, Goldilocks. Doesn't work <laughs> that
1: way. This is Red Eye Radio. On Westwood One.
2: Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy
3: Valentino Show, wherever you listen. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham in the red clay tells the unbelievable true story of billy sunday burt the most dangerous man in georgia history in the podcast that people are calling riveting incredibly moving captivating and addicting binge seasons one and two of in the red clay now wherever you listen